DT101 Sportscast. Thank you for joining me. As always, uh, this is probably a little bit shorter than usual for what I do, but uh, after watching and paying attention to the Lakers game against the Sixers, which I think was a very intriguing matchup for one team that is definitely on the uh, splits, definitely... uh, trying to get better that would be the lakers versus an up-and-coming team with a lot of interesting and subtly good moving parts and how they would coexist against each other how things would look between the teams and it it's gone exactly the way that i thought it would and that's because and I know it's beating a dead horse a lot of the time when you talk about Lonzo and LeVar Ball and all of that. It's very obvious. It doesn't matter. Unless Lonzo Ball becomes Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or Kobe Bryant 2.0, he's never going to reach the, the plateau that his father created. And that's extremely unfair to him. It's not his fault uh, that his father's been talking him up for almost two years now and won't shut up about it. Uh, There is a certain point, though, where you have to stand up and be an adult and tell your parents to shut up. And uh, this is going to be the big thing for Alonzo Ball, to be able to tell his father to stop, to quiet down, to not make himself the center of attention and instead let the play of Alonzo Ball do the speaking. The problem is the play of Alonzo Ball is not the sexy kind. And it's really actually not the good kind. For someone who's being touted by their father as better than Steph Curry, could beat LeBron James one-on-one, he sure doesn't seem to comprehend how abysmal of a shooter his son is. And I don't understand how this is breaking news. If you watched when he played at UCLA, he was never a great shooter. He was a great floor general. He can read the floor well. He makes phenomenal passes. Uh, He's averaging just over seven assists a game, and it shows. He is a phenomenal passer. If if there are a couple more shots that would go down for this very below-average Lakers team, he should probably, with some average to above-average shooters, be averaging around 10 or 11 assists a game. He's a very good passer who, you know, that's the one plus that I looked at from him. He is he is a point guard built in the Jason Kidd model of pass first. That's the way that he views the game. That's how he plays it from the traditional point guard position. He's not Russell Westbrook. He's not Dennis Smith. He's not Steph Curry. He's none of those players. Steph Curry is a very good passer, but... I'd be remiss to say that that's his best quality when he can jack up a three from anywhere in the stadium and make it. And because of all of this, we're nitpicking Lonzo Ball's game to death. I mean, I'm talking about it right now and you're listening to it right now. But I need to point out two major things here that are going to happen. First and foremost, may not be this year, may not be the year after, might be the third year. Within the next handful of years, there's going to be a point where Alonzo Ball just isn't good. 
He's not he's not a good scorer. He's a good passer. He's actually a pretty above average rebounder for for a point guard. Uh, just about seven rebounds a game is what he's averaging. He's going to get some nice stats that aren't the sexy points stat. But that's not going to be something that LeVar Ball can accept. And that's your problem. He's not going to put up 26 a game and eight assists and seven to nine rebounds. He's not going to do that. The best game he had in the entire season was game two against Phoenix. And that's just based on points. Game two against Phoenix, he annihilated them. But guess what? Phoenix is possibly, if not the worst team, the second worst team in the entire NBA. They are abysmally bad. And it's pretty much Devin Booker and a prayer. And then they're, they they just moved Eric Bledsoe, got an extra first-round pick that's going to end up being in the mid to late 20s from the Bucks. It It's a shit show over in Phoenix. Very well established. Between them and Brooklyn... They're fighting for who's worse. The Lakers are also up there as well. But then you look at every other game. First off, his shooting. If you don't know his actual shooting stats, let me blow you away with exactly how dreadful he is uh, from a shooting perspective. First off, he, he plays 33 minutes a game. He is the starting point guard. He is playing the lion's share of minutes. So... In 48 minutes, he's playing three-fourths of a game. He's shooting from the field 31.3%. He's averaging 3.7 field goals made out of 12 shot attempts. From three, which he was especially terrible at tonight, he's averaging 1.2 out of 4.9. He's averaging 25%. That's a very important stat because how many teams are going to respect him from the arc? None. There's there's no reason to. He doesn't put any fear in anyone at all. He was 0 for 6 tonight, 1 for 9 from the field, scored two whole points. That's just tonight against the 76ers. Rocking a minus 18. On the flip side, though, if we look at Ben Simmons... First off, Ben Simmons played 39 minutes compared to the 21 minutes from Lonzo Ball. And Ben Simmons had 18 points on 18 of 13 shooting, plus 19, 9 rebounds, 10 assists, 5 steals. Whew. That's, I mean, it's night and day. You have one player that's complete, a complete package. The closest you're going to get to a LeBron James-type player right now is Ben Simmons. He's that mold. He's tall enough. He's not strong enough yet. But he's also, you know, barely 20. (laughs) So, he's big enough. He's got the height. He has the natural instinct and ability to drive. He's got great passing vision. He's a very good rebounder. In five years, when LeBron's retired when your current stars have aged into their wrong side of 30, Ben Simmons is going to be the best player in the NBA. Five years. I'm telling you right now. You heard it here first. Maybe second, depending on who else you listen to on a podcast. 
But look at the night and day difference between how Ben Simmons plays the game. He plays from an attack mode. He understands how that pass works. He still gets down to to get his rebounds, but that shooting percentage, shooting 8 of 13, and that's not an anomaly. That's not an anomaly for how Simmons has played all season. He's been accurate and very good all year. Uh, Just taking a look here for you. He's shooting almost 50% from the field, 49.7. Free throw percentage does need some work, uh, 60.6%. Ben Simmons, uh, <laughs> seems like everyone is having issues with free throw percentage. Alonzo Balls is actually pretty bad as well. Uh, it, yeah, he's at 50% for free throws. He only takes uh, 1.7 a game, which for a point guard who with a pass-first mentality who should be able to dribble drive... That's really bad. I mean, he's really limiting his opportunities. And that's the issue you're running into. And I know I'm making this into the Lonzo Ball show, and that's the entire point of what I'm talking about here because I think it's important to understand exactly what Lonzo Ball is. Lonzo Ball is Ricky Rubio. He's not Russ. He's not LeBron. He's not Steph. Lonzo is Rubio. If you literally traded them on their current teams and switched them to opposing teams, there would be almost no difference. Rubio's a little tiny bit of a better shooter now, but it's taken him years to get a better stroke because he was forced to in Minnesota. He's always been one of the best passers in the league. He's a top three passer in the entire NBA. And you know, Lonzo's coming up in that, that area as well. He, he has a fantastic stroke to get the ball from point A to point B. He has a good eye. He's got that Assassin's Creed eagle vision thing going on. But he does not breed fear into a team when it comes to shooting. He does not give you that sense of urgency to make sure to get over and cover him. I'd let him take an open three all day. It's the same problem that Rondo had. Rondo never got better as a shooter. He's also, you know, kind of a prick. But he never got better as a shooter at all. He's he's always had a very good drive ability. He can he can lay it up really well. He's got one of the best fakes in NBA history to me, the fake behind the back to the layup. That was when he was in his prime, mwah, one of the prettiest ball fakes you could ever see. But he's never been a mid-range or three-point shooter. And that was always the big handicap for him after the end of the Celtics' dynasty start, which lived and died rather quickly. The minute he didn't have Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen to save his ass from the passing situation because he couldn't shoot, he was kind of dead in the water. He had nowhere to throw it off to. Then he goes to Dallas, who is my favorite team, has been since 1999. He went there, and he he's always had an attitude issue. Went there, wasn't able to do himself, run his own plays the way he wanted to, because Carlisle is Carlisle, and that's how that marriage ended. Then he went over to Sacramento, which is a, a, just a haven of buffoonery, and you know his career from this point. He's never gotten good at shooting. And look, some guys can and can't. I mean, I know when I played in high school, I had a very good mid-range jumper. I was pretty decent on the inside, but I could not shoot a three to save my life. 
I was the defense set a pick and pop it from 15 out. That was what I did. And I knew my limitations. And that's perfectly fine that you need to know your limitations. The problem for Lonzo right now, and his minutes have been slowly decreasing and fluctuating left and right with the Lakers as Luke Walton is trying to figure out exactly uh, what lineup to use to maximize everyone's ability. Right now, Lonzo is being forced to shoot, and he's not that good at it. He needs to, and, and this part isn't all his fault, because in order to make a, your assist numbers better, you very much need people around you that can score. And while they do have Kuzma, who has been the brightest light in that entire organization as of late, you do also have a couple other players that need to step up. I mean, Contavious Caldwell, Plo, Caldwell Pope, wow, that was a rough one. He played 41 minutes tonight and scored 12 points. How do you play, basically, the whole game? And you've only scored 12. You've only scored 10 points more than a guy who played 20 minutes less in Lonzo Ball. This team is bad. Ingram scored the most at 26, Kuzma at 24, and then Clarkson at 20. And this was expected from the Lakers, that they weren't going to be good. Everyone assumed that correctly, obviously. But we have this hype train that was started by Lonzo's father, and we've fed the beast so very much over the last 12 months, ever since it became a thing. And this was all for him to promote his big baller brand. Congratulations, you've basically made a crappier version of Adidas and Nike, and you're hinging all of it on your son being a superstar. The issue is, in the NBA, you have someone like DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan is going to get you good points on the inside, but his strength is his defense capability, ability to block shots, and his rebounding. There's a lot of players out there who are very good at things that aren't scoring. Why do you think Andre Roberson got the contract he did with the Thunder? He can't shoot for shit. But he got that contract because he can lock down 98 to 99% of NBA players around his position. He can play point, shooting guard, small forward, and depending on the lineup, power forward. He can guard someone like Draymond Green. He's fully capable. He's one of the best, he's probably the best pure defending player in the NBA right now. You've got to find that niche, but you don't see many Thunder fans owning an Andre Roberson jersey. You see them owning Russell Westbrook. Why? Because scoring is sexy. It's the same thing in the NFL. Why do you why do you own other than Browns fans? Why do you own a wide receiver or a running back or a quarterback jersey? I say other than Browns fans because let's face it, Joe Thomas is the only jersey you should own. Currently 10 years ago even, you should have just found a way to find a Joe Thomas jersey and just assume that's going to work out. Players have to find out what they are good at. And for Lonzo, it's more than that, though. He has to decide what he wants to be and how he wants to be it. Because his father is setting up expectations that he's never going to live up to. And it's, getting to, it's going to get to a point 
let me correct myself, it will get to a point where it's no longer the fault of LeVar Ball. Lonzo has to step up, be an adult, be a man, and just say, Dad, shut up. Let me get my let me do my game because it's going to happen. He's eventually going to it may not be a blow up, but he's going to through the media at some point tell his dad to shut the hell up. Now he may be extremely passive. He seems like an extremely passive person in general. His father definitely isn't. Yet he is going to get to a point where these expectations they're going to hurt him. Because it's going to be a circus built around him. Tebow style. Where the Lakers are going to have to decide, do we want to deal with this anymore? Because we need to bench him because he's not helping our starting unit, but he'll be good on our reserves. Or do you ship him off somewhere because you're tired of dealing with it? Magic Johnson and, and the Lakers organization hitched the future of their franchise onto Lonzo Ball. And they did so because they believed that he not only possessed the passing ability, the, uh, the, the very intelligent rebounding that he has, he's able to get in there and get good amounts of rebounds. Like I said, he's averaging almost seven a game from the point guard position, uh, and that's not always easy to do. But as a point guard, you have to be able to have a strong dribble drive ability or effective outside shooting. You have to have one of the two in order to be an effective point guard. Look at someone like J.J. Barea. Barea is not the most powerful. He doesn't have a great stroke from the outside, but when you watch Barea play, he has such a strong, aggressive drive to the basket that it forces defenses to collapse simply because of how fast he is. And that gives him the ability, especially several years ago, to kick it out to whether it was Nowitzki or Sean Marion for their championship run. That was what opened up the offense. That was where his strength lied because he was able to get in there. And you don't always have to make the basket on the layup attempt. It's getting to the foul line. Right now, you've got Lonzo getting to the foul line once, maybe twice a game. If you're taking two free throws a game, you're getting foul, you're drawing a foul once in a shooting situation. You're not driving, you're not penetrating enough. You're not forcing that defense to collapse on you. And why would they when you suck? This is the dilemma that 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 we run into with this team. The, the Lakers are such a haphazardly put-together prayer that it's depressingly funny to look at their roster. Julius Randle has been average but also injury-prone. Larry Nance Jr. is their most exceptional young player that they've had up until uh, the breakout of Kyle Kuzma, who is turning out to be truly their diamond in the rough. I, I believe that Kuzma will be on this team longer than Lonzo Ball if things keep going the way that they're going. They still have that terrible Luau Dang contract, which they're, unless they give up a first-round pick, and let's face it, that's the only way they're getting rid of it, unless they give up a first-round pick, they're not going to get rid of that Luau Dang contract. 
and it's still got a little bit more time on it too. Ingram has looked pretty good. He's been their best player. Now he's so far this season played the way that they needed him to play and expected him to play for his natural ability. It's still not as good as it should be. He needs to be upwards of the 18 to 20 point scoring area. He's around 14 points a game right now. Five five rebounds and about two and a half assists. So he's still playing rather well. He's not getting... Here's the thing. Just looking at his shot chart uh, against Washington, Milwaukee, and Phoenix, he only got double-digit attempts one time. He's not a three-point guy. That's that's not his strength. He's only uh, only doing about 32% from beyond the arc right now. But he's got to be... He should be taking... Where he's at about 12 shots a game, he needs to be about 15 or 16. Now, some of that is Contavious Caldwell-Pope taking some of those because they signed him to a one-year deal. In all reality, they're probably trying to see if they can move him at the trade deadline for spare parts and a second-round pick or something. Uh, but he's Caldwell-Pope will not be there next year, which will probably open it up for Brandon Ingram. And Caldwell-Pope has become slightly unnecessary for them at this point when you have Ingram and Kuzma. However, you know, you can't just outright cut a dude you're giving almost $30 million to. That's a little absurd. The whole reason that I, I decided to talk about this in general is because temper your expectations. And it's not just with Lonzo Ball. It's not just in the NBA or the Lakers. Temper your expectations for almost everything at this point. It, the, all sports are going through a sort of metamorphosis. If you look at the NFL, the old guard of quarterbacks, they're either dying or on their last leg where they're playing their ass off to try to win that last title. Drew Brees, Tom Brady. One of those two is very likely to win the Super Bowl this year especially with the Saints having a resurgent defense and Tom Brady is playing as if he is 25 again. But then you have a lot of teams that just don't make a lick of sense. You got the Jaguars, who are, (laughs) despite their offensive inabilities most times, have been hammering teams. One of the best, if not the best, defense in the NFL The Vikings, despite their quarterback situation and issues, Case Keenum has been kicking ass. And I I know they're talking about starting Teddy Bridgewater, and Keenum probably has a very short leash now, but you got to go with the hot hand that's been on fire, and Keenum has made some strides with Adam Thielen, and that team is hitting it on all cylinders. What you're seeing is a lot of teams circumvent that need for a five-star caliber quarterback and instead using a defense to punish these quarterbacks to force them into bad situations. Uh, The Jaguars causing five turnovers against Pittsburgh, for example, and uh, that was really what helped them win that game. Uh, they, they had an ineffective offense. Leonard Fournette does look really good when he's healthy or not suspended for detrimental something to the team. But that strength is that defense. We're seeing a resurgence to that early 2000s defensive strength that helped win a lot of games for the Ravens. 
uh, and also for the Giants at the time uh, when they met in the Super Bowl and then the Ravens annihilated the Giants. There's a big change happening in a lot of sports. Baseball has its own situation going on where you have teams that are stacked with relief pitcher upon relief pitcher. And and that's the name of the game. You got to stack as many relief pitchers as you can in order to bolster that bullpen so that, you know, hell or high water, you've got to make sure that you've got two more relievers than you need. And the NBA, it you've got to expect a little bit of difference. You've got to expect certain player types to come back around. The scoring machines of yesteryear, they're not the same as they used to be. You know, you're never going to get another Steph Curry. You were never going to get another Ray Allen. Ray Allen was unique for 20 years until Steph Curry, about four years ago, decided to go ham. The NBA is the most interesting one to me because we expect so much from a guy who's 18, 19, 20. I mean, these guys are supposed to be superstars today. And and that's why I wanted to talk about Lonzo Ball specifically. I mean, this dude was born like right before... This guy was born right around the N64 coming out. 1997. Think about that. He was born and then Final Fantasy VII came out for PlayStation. He was born and within four years, the PlayStation 2 came out when he was four. I want you to think about that. Temper your expectations for a 20-year-old. That's something that LeVar Ball doesn't get, but it's something your average person needs to get. Your average sports fan doesn't get it. Look at college football. We're yelling and screaming at an 18-year-old to make sure he wins the national title for our home college team. And if he fails, well, that son of a bitch, he's not good anyway. My God. (laughs) Give them time to mature and get better. Lonzo Ball is going to be a good point guard. But he's he's going to be a traditional point guard. He's not a score-fest point guard. He'll average around 10, maybe 12 points a game. That's about it, though. He'll have his occasional go-off moment like anybody else will have. But this is a guy who's going to rely on his passing, his 7, 8, 9 assists a game. Now, is he going to be on the level of Steve Nash? Oh, I don't think so. Steve Nash was a -a once-in-a-lifetime performer for his ability. But Lonzo Ball has a lot of strength with his game. He's just got to figure out how to hide the weaknesses as well. And one of those weaknesses is LeVar Ball. Thank you for joining me. Have a good one. Catch you next time.